This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 40. Submission 171. The Cool Kids. The Cool Kids aired on Fox from September 28th, 2018 to May 10th, 2019 for a total of 22 episodes. One of the people behind It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day, had a great idea. Let's do It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in an old folks home. I would even compare it more to the Golden Girls. Yeah, it's kind of a mix between It's Always Sunny and the Golden Girls. Yeah, and it would have and it would have worked if it were on the FX network. Or if it were not on Fox Friday night. Yeah, it, it would have worked if it didn't follow Last Man Standing. Oh, jeez. Well, there's more to that, I think, as well. I'm, uh, well. We'll get to that a little bit later, I think. Well, who were the cool kids? Well, as we said, it was sort of a mix of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in a nursing home mixed with a little bit of the Golden Girls. And you had four true television veterans on this show. Uh, you had Vicki Lawrence. What can we say about Vicki Lawrence? Oh. She's an American treasure. She really is. Yes. She really is. Is there anything she can't do? No, really she can't. She's just absolutely amazing. She sings. She hosts. She's a comedian. She has a good one-man show or one-woman show. She has with... a two-woman show. Well, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yes, valid point. And then you had David Allen Greer, who you would best know from In Living Color. But also, at least recently, he hosted the GSN show Snap Decision. Not an entry yet, but will it be? Hmm. Maybe? Who knows? Chico's on the case. And in addition to In Living Color, he was on other series, including, I believe this is an entry, and if it isn't, dang it, I'm going to make it an entry before we leave. Dang! Yeah, it's going to be an entry. And The Secret Diary... Was he on The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer? I believe that's an entry. No, oh, it's that... definitely an entry, but he wasn't on it. No, uh, but... but... Oh, we could include future entry, Chocolate News. Yes. I think he was also on future entry. I believe this is a future entry, the Carmichael Show. Yep. Yes, he was. He was on every future entry. We just got, we have three. Wait, 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 wait. What the hell's Chocolate News? It's what they put on uh, the Comedy Central, what the Daily Show isn't on. Yeah, that was like early, mid-2000s. I, I don't remember that. Okay, You don't remember Chocolate News? I don't remember Chocolate News. It was, the minor- it was the Minority Report before Larry Wilbur got involved. Okay, well, I don't remember the show, but... By the yeah, way, I, future I, I entry. Yeah, By the way, future entry. The Minority Report with Larry Wilmore. No, the Nightly Show. because that the was the show. Oh, My, my, my bad, that's, that's right, that's right. That's a, that, you know, it had a billion names, but that was the one they went with, so yeah. Right. I don't know if we can add that. that that's yeah. what made uh, uh, 100 a popular phrase. Keep so it 100. Keep it 100. Keep it 100 so. Oh, and by, um, the way, guys, by the way, guys, Chocolate News was 2008, not mid-2000s. I just want to be corrected. Okay. So now that we're all thoroughly confused, let's talk about the other two comedy heavyweights we have here. Uh, of course, you have Martin Mull, who you might remember from 
God, what don't you remember him from? The first time I saw him was on a rerun of Fernwood Tonight. Future entry Fernwood Tonight. Slash America Tonight. Slash America Tonight. Uh, but also, I, I think most people remember him as the boyfriend of Fred Willard's character on Roseanne. Yes. But also, among other shows, he was the lead on future installment. I think we're going to be saying that a lot this episode. Domestic Life. Yep. What do you mean yep. you don't remember that one? We do. <laughs> oh, by the way, Morton Mull has a guest spot on future installment, Get a Life. There you go. So, uh, yeah, Martin Mull was on that show, and he was, well, he wasn't the leader. That David Al Greer was the leader. Oh, I'd, I'd even disagree with that. I'd say Vicky Well, Lawrence, officially. Well, officially. well David, yeah, I'd say David Al Greer was originally the leader, but Vicki Lawrence sort of, she made a power play. And it was actually very early in the series. But hey, we forgot one other person. We forgot Leslie Jordan, who is maybe the glue that holds all this together. Oh, yes. yes. He may and, be the best character on this show. Yes, absolutely. And Leslie Jordan, in case you don't know, uh, he played Beverly Leslie on Will and Grace. Not a name I'm familiar with, but I never saw Will and Grace. So uh, I'll leave it to uh, the experts as to who he is and how big of a star he is. But he was the best character on this show. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, the, the leader of the gang, at least to start, was Hank Henderson, who was played by David Allen Greer. However, you could make a case that uh, Margaret Flynn, who was played by Vicki Lawrence, made a power play even on the pilot. Because uh, what happened on the pilot to start is uh, you, you had... Uh, you had Hank, David Allen Greer, and Charlie, who's Martin Mull's character, and Sid, or Sidney, uh, Leslie Jordan's character. They're sitting at a table. They're, they're grieving their friend Jerry, who just passed away. And you know, they didn't want anybody sitting in his seat at their table. And here comes Vicki Lawrence. I'm going to take this seat. And, and, and they say, you can't sit there. Well, why can't I sit there? Oh, that's Jerry's seat. Who's Jerry? Oh, Jerry just died. And then what does Margaret say? Who do you think you are? The cool kids? Oh. And the show's title was born. You didn't see that in the pilot? Oh, that yeah, was classic. That. that was yeah. classic. Okay, no, I, did, I thought just the, oh, like you did, didn't notice that. No, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, yes. That's, there's your title. From there, the, the rest of the show is just basically the, the goofy antics that went on uh, at, at the uh, nursing home, the retirement home, at uh, Shady Meadows Retirement Community, which is where everything in the show is just about set. I don't think I've seen footage of them anywhere outside of, uh, of the retirement community. Well, they were in their car, of course. Oh, That's... yeah, there was. I, I do remember, yeah, there was one episode where yeah, they were. They did some mischief, and they were trying to get out of town as fast as possible. Not, not just the the main four characters on this show were great. The recurring characters and guest characters on this show is like a who's who of television in Hollywood of like the last fifty years. Not even joking about that. Would you gentlemen agree with that? I'm looking oh, yeah. at the list right now, and I am in full agreement. Oh yeah. Oh, the the guest stars and some of the recurring cast, yeah, yeah. And, and where to start? Oh boy, you know what? Start with the recurring ones because you got a lot of names right there. Well, we'll start. Yeah, well, I mean, where to start among the recurring characters? Uh, I think we need to start with Jamie Farr because I know Greg mentioned earlier watching one episode, Jamie Farr like stole the show. Yes, mm -hmm. especially especially with those glasses. Yes. Uh, Jamie Farr played Dudley. He was a resident of the, the Shaded Meadows retirement community. And he appears in a number of episodes. Again, we're going to get to that in a little bit because he, he really, he stole the show in a couple of cases. Uh, then you had uh, Jerry Burns, who you may remember from Dear John, and also Angie Tribeca. He was John, Sid's ex-boyfriend. Oh, by the way, in case we didn't mention it, Sid's gay. 
<laughs> no! Couldn't tell. Could not tell. Total shocker, I know. I, I, I'm i sorry for, for spoiling it for everybody. <laughs> also, Charlie had a girlfriend named Kathleen, and that was played by Leslie Ann Warren, who was in the movie, a, a big favorite of, of two of us. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> I wonder Shame on you. I wonder who's the non-fan of Clue among the three of us. Shame on you. <laughs> dude, dude, you need to get the DVD of Clue. It's so uh, worth it. I need, I need to get a Clue. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Communism uh, was a red herring, folks. <laughs> and also another recurring character who plays a role in a number of episodes uh, is Gorgeous George, not a wrestler. His name is Gorgeous George. He was played by Rod McCary. And he is, he's almost like the antagonist of the TV show. He, he's like the the sworn enemy of the cool kids. Yeah. You might remember him from uh, Tales of the Dark Side in the early, in the, in the mid to late 80s. He was, a, he was a recurring character, Attorney Mason on Sparks. Oh, you don't Future remember? entry, I believe, sparks. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and uh, aside from that, he was in a lot of B ra- B rated direct to video movies. But he was also Hugh Cleveland in the 1988 ABC TV miniseries War and Remembrance, the sequel to the 1983 ABC miniseries The Winds of War. Now remember the Winds of War for. Later on down the line. That's all I'm going to say. I also feel compelled to add that Rod McCary, uh, he played Judge Lloyd Elmer Clark in the TV series uh, with, with a title which is maybe a little too scary to mention nowadays, Pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, rounding out the recurring characters is Artemis Pepdani, a crossover from It's Always Sunny as Allison, the head of Shady Meadows Retirement Community. Uh, I also want to add Panam Patel, who plays Panam. Uh, she's uh, just an employee at the retirement community. She sometimes cleans up stuff. Uh, she plays a pivotal role in at least one of the episodes we're going to mention uh, in a little bit. But the guests, again, oh boy, the guests might be even bigger than your recurring characters. I mean, where, I mean, where to start? This list is is long, but again, so many quality names here. First on the pilot, Charlie Day. Yeah, that Charlie Day. He, he played Chet, who was a handyman at the Shady Meadows Retirement Community, uh, and he wasn't necessarily good because in the pilot, uh, he fixed a uh, like an end table, and it was holding the ashes of Jerry that we mentioned earlier, and. Uh, he didn't secure it well because Jerry's ashes fell to the ground and broke and spread all over the place. Yeah, nice to write himself as the joke of the of the whole thing, isn't it? Sorry, Jerry, we miss you. Long live Jerry in a dustpan. <laughs> Moment of silence. Moment gone. Just focusing on the big names you've heard of that were guests on this show. You had Max Gale, who was on Barney Miller. Mm-hmm. You had Charles Shaughnessy, who was on, right. uh, among other things, he was on The Nanny. Yep. And Julia Duffy, who was on New Heart and on Designing Women. Uh-huh. I didn't know she's almost 70, though. Good heavens. She keeps exceptionally well. She knows who else keeps exceptionally well. Clyde Kusatsu, who, let's be honest, what hasn't he been on? And then there's Greg's favorite, Ed Bagley Jr. Oh, yeah. We're just going to give, a mo- We're just gonna give uh, Greg a moment to geek out right now. Oh, man. Well, we'll talk about his TARDIS later when we get to the episode rundown, but... Oh. oh yes, and uh, I, I, we, oh, I have a lot is, of stuff. This is a real, that's a really episode. Oh, it was amazing episodes. We'll, we we have stuff to say about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had Jack K, Jack K. Harry from Two Two Seven. 
she played Hank's ex-wife, Lorraine. But hey, guess what? Lorraine has a boyfriend, and who plays Lorraine's boyfriend? Target of the house! Everybody's favorite former ex-NBA player turned actor, Rick Fox. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Again, is there anything that guy can't do? J- Jack A and Rick Fox together. That oh, that's comedy gold. That's also a bit of an age difference because Rick Fox is maybe fifty or so, and Jack A is at least sixty, maybe even closer to sixty-five or so. Well, well she keeps exceptionally well. That's right, honey child. <laughs> Looking down, uh, further down the list, and, oh, wow, Joanna Cassidy from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was on this show as Margaret's best friend, Joni. Where's Chachi? (laughs) He's on another episode. Oh. Another recognizable name that showed up as a guest on The Cool Kids is Stephen Tobolowski as Leonard... And he's been in many movies. He, he's uh, probably one of the better character actors there is. Uh, I know he was in at least one of the Garfield movies. <laughs> he was in I'm one sorry. of the Garfield movies. He was in Heroes. He is doing an awesome job on the One Day at a Time reboot. Stephen Tobolowski was also on The Jeffersons, the, the one-off version they did in front of a live studio audience uh, about a year ago or so. And he played Harry Bentley. The, yeah, the next door neighbor of of the Jeffersons, if you remember for, from the original TV show. Yes, that was he Stephen Tobolowski. Like, he looks nothing like Paul Benedict. It works though. He did a great job. He did. He did. Next on the list was Patrick Duffy as Gene from Margaret Upser Game. We'll talk about that. Oh God, this is one of he's one of those. What hasn't he been on? Uh, Dallas. Step by step, and two future entries: uh, "Man from Atlantis" and "Bingo America." And also, and we need to add this, especially since we just talked about one of his shows last week. John Lovitz was on. John Lovitz played Kip Samgood, who was Sid's teen idol, who performed a song Mar- Margaret originally wrote. John Lovitz of the Critic. Also, another uh, guest on the show was Robert Pine. A.K.A. Chris's daddy. Yeah, and he was on Chips back in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, You also have Tony Rock, who would be Chris Rock's brother, who played Tony, Hank and Lorraine's son. Next, we have Mary Elizabeth Ellis, who played Margaret's daughter, MJ. And as you probably mostly know, Mary Elizabeth Ellis plays the waitress on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and is the wife of creator Charlie Day. Ah, uh, nepotism. Yes. Wouldn't and be the also, first time on the show. No. And you also have Jennifer Coolidge as Bonnie Delacroix, Sid's ex-wife, and of course Jennifer Coolidge you would best know as Zay Chico. Stifler's mom! Yep. And it's thanks to her we got the uh, four-letter acronym from John Chell, and we all know what that means, and we're not going to say it, but you all know if you're listening. The last person we're going to talk about is Lynn Marie Stewart. You may know her better as Miss Yvonne, the most beautiful woman in puppet land on Pee Wee's Playhouse, but also, we just mentioned her last week, she was the planted audience member on Nightstand with Dick Dietrich. And she played Judy on, 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 on The Cool Kids. Yeah, and she also, of course, never It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Connection. She plays Charlie's mom on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The only person they're really missing from the cast of uh, It's Sunny seems to be Danny DeVito. He was too busy bathing himself in Purell, probably. Or, or eating, you know, steaks, or ham steaks covered in rum. Rum <laughs> ham! Also did not see Caitlin Olsen on that show. No, Caitlin Olsen was probably too busy doing the Mick around this time. Oh, future entry, the Mick. Future entry, the Mick. I knew that was coming. (laughs) I saw that coming. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, this show was absolutely hilarious. 
And as we said, the, the reason it died, I think, unfortunately, is because the lead-in uh, to uh, the Cool Kids was was uh, was Last Man Standing, and unfortunately, I don't think most of the viewers of Last Man Standing would enjoy watching a show where one of the main characters is gay. Just being honest. Just being honest. Don't send letters. Well, that and also because WWE uh, SmackDown was coming to Fox in a year too. Yeah, but they could have found a place for the cool kids. I mean, nothing against you know, like the Bless the Hearts or or uh, some of the other shows that debuted this year, but they could have found a place for the cool kids, or they could have shifted, like we mentioned earlier, put it on FX. Yes, it it, it would be an FX type of show, absolutely. Definitely had a bit of net, bit of screwed by the network. I want to say, yeah. Well, maybe even a little bit more screwed by Vince. Hey, I, I'd make a I'd make a Brett screwed Brett joke here, but no. But I mean, even if you look at the ratings, and I'm just going through the the ratings right I mean, now. I looked at the premiere ratings, and they were just phenomenal. Yeah, se- almost 7 million people saw the first episode. And then from there, it peaked at about 5 million, a little bit less than 5 million. But it looks like as you get to about halfway through the run, the number then dips to about 4 million. And then by the end, it was it hit a low of about 3.15 million. But it seemed to average roughly in the last half of the season, about 3.5 million so, I mean, if you look at the premiere versus the end, it did lose half of its audience. Yeah. Or even if you look at from uh, the second episode to the last episode, it did lose like 30% of its audience. So those aren't really optimistic numbers. But still, I mean, nowadays, you know, three and a half million viewers get you a renewal most places nowadays. Yeah. And I am I was looking at our friends at TV Tropes. And if you click the trivia tab guess what i found screwed by the network while it was never a ratings hit being on the friday night death slot and all the cool kids did manage to get a decent fan following a second season was planned but the show got caught up in the sale of 20th century fox to disney resulting in its cancellation not only that but because wwe smackdown was on its way there was no other room for the show on the network to continue so yeah, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. And this would be like a good Disney show, I'm sorry. At least in terms of like the family values, if you will. You know, you know what? Do what they did with the Orville. Move it to Hulu. There it you worked, go. It worked for the Mindy Project. It could have worked for this. It could have. But uh, before we get to the episodes, if you enjoy this show or are more curious about this show... It's on Google Play. It's on YouTube. It's ten dollars. It, it, is it on Hulu? Because again, uh, it was well, produced by uh, it was produced by Twentieth Century, and they now have they own Hulu. You know what? I'm gonna Disney, look. Right Disney now. Let me just Disney now owns Fox and well, the entertainment side of Fox, not the broadcasting side of Fox. I mean. You can find it on YouTube for $10 for the season. It's on Google Play for $10 for the season. It's on iTunes for $10. It's affordable, and it can easily be found, and we highly suggest you you purchase it. And it's, we don't make any money on that endorsement. Yeah, it's probably the only place you can find it, because I just looked at Hulu, and it's not there. Sad. Yeah. And episodes aren't available on YouTube for free, because surely Fox and Disney are striking it down as fast as they go up. Yep. You you look at you look for the show on YouTube, you're only gonna find clips. They're good clips, but they're just clips. If you go on YouTube, you'll find a lot of promotional stuff, uh especially a lot of stuff uh leading up to the premiere in two thousand eighteen. Well, with that out of the way, let's look at the episodes because again, so many good episodes. So many good episodes. So we'll start off with the pilot. And this one was uh, was co-written by Ch- uh, Charlie Day. Charlie well, Day and, again, and... 
Charlie Day and Paul Freckbum, they created the show. Right. So right from the ba- uh, right from the beginning, you have Charlie Day putting his influence in on the show beyond just producing the show or creating the show. Three friends living in a retirement community, Hank, Charlie, and Sid, mourn the loss of their recently deceased friend, Jerry. New resident Margaret sits in Jerry's seat, upsetting Hank. Coupled with being unsatisfied by the way the staff is handling Jerry's death, Hank tries to get Margaret to sit elsewhere, but his plan backfires when Sid and Charlie befriend her. After learning Jerry will be cremated, the men take up Margaret's offer to drive them to the mortuary to rescue him, but are arrested when it turns out Margaret stole the car from another resident. Whoops. Yeah, okay, well there's the driving we talked about earlier. In the end, Hank decides it is best to let Jerry go and find that Margaret has thrown a farewell party Jerry would have wanted. Impressed, the friends officially welcome Margaret as Jerry's successor. And that's how she became one of the cool kids. Episode 2. Margaret turns 65. You would have thought she would be 65 if she's in a... Anyway, I'm thinking too much into it. Margaret is feeling moody due to it being her 65th birthday and lashes out at the boys. To make themselves all feel young, Hank takes the gang to his old hangout, Ronnie's Swing Time Cafe. But when they arrive, they find the cafe has been long gone and converted into a nightclub called Twerk Lab. Hey, guys, do you think Mr. Peanut was there twerking with Latoya Jackson? (laughs) Jeez. After sneaking into the club, Hank, Charlie, and Margaret all have interactions that make him feel insulted and old. After reflection, the gang agrees, sorry Greg, that millennials suck and celebrate Margaret's birthday by taking shots, which carries into the next day with a hangover for everyone. I'm sorry, but I do agree with them. Millennials do suck. Hot take. I'm terribly sorry that the phrase OK Boomer didn't come for about another year. That's an, I'm sorry, that's an OK Boomer moment right there. Yeah. Episode 3, A Date with Destiny. Margaret and Sid encourage Hank and Charlie to sign up for online dating. But while Hank is a hit, Charlie is sad that no one is responding to his profile. To make him feel better, Margaret creates a fake account named Nadine, and Sid creates another one named Destiny behind her head. <laughs> That's a, you know what? That sounds like a completely normal Sid thing to do. Yes, it does. Because Sid thought that Destiny would be mysterious, but obviously... As Margaret says, when you say the name Destiny, what do you automatically think of? Stripper. Strippers. Charlie and Hank, who lied about having lots of responses, like the sexually explicit messages Destiny sends. And problems arise when Charlie and Hank begin fighting over Destiny. Figuring out that Sid is actually Destiny, Charlie and Hank pretend to have a fight to teach them a lesson. I wonder if Destiny worked at Zippers. (laughs) Uh. Episode 4, oh my gosh, I can't say this with a straight face because this is too funny. Episode 4, Sid comes out. Sid's son, Walt, surprises him with a visit, and Margaret is both shocked and amused to find out that Walt thinks his father is straight. (laughs) Joke's on you, kid. But the joke is on her. Don't tell him, he doesn't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Walt, spoiler. He's gay. But the joke is on her when Walt believes she's Sid's girlfriend. After a disastrous lunch date with Walt, which Margaret's new boyfriend, Robert, interrupts, Sid finally comes out to a dumbfounded Walt who is happy for his father. Meanwhile, Hank needs to take an eye test to renew his golf cart license and enlist Charlie to help him cheat his way through. However, Charlie's way of helping is painful. And they are caught by the doctor. Although the doctor accepts Hank's bribe of $200 to pass him, Hank ends up losing his license after driving the golf cart into the dining room. Double whoops. Okay, fun fact about this show. Uh, Walt Delacroix, um, Sid's son, is played by Travis Schultz, who, among other roles, is played Ben Smith on... It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, is he the is he the marine that D dated? Uh, probably. I'm trying to. Th- I'm I, now. It yeah, sounds... Ben the soldier. Ben the yep. soldier. From yes, and... the gang wrestles for the troops, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, 
who will be in a future installment next month. Ooh, can't wait for that. But we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Episode 5, The Cool Kids Rigging Election. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, oh this isn't timely. <laughs> Not at all. Tired of the Hobbs activities, coordinator Gorgeous George, who has let the title go to his head, Margaret convinces the boys to put up an opponent in the upcoming election at the home. Hank declares the candidate to be Charlie, but Margaret forces Sid to run against both George and Charlie. After Charlie and Sid eat a lasagna meant for George, that Hank lays through mushrooms. <laughs> oh boy. And Margaret locks George into the exercise room to keep him from showing up to the elections. Hank and Margaret run against each other. An escaped George is injured when Sid, still high from the mushrooms, tackles him at the election and ends up filing a restraining order against the four. The election is canceled and the position is given to an employee who sold Hank the mushrooms. Yes, well, uh, this is a hilarious episode. This is one of the first ones I uh, went to after I got the, the season series. Uh... The whole thing when Charlie and Sid eat the mushroom spiked lasagna and you see Sid literally jumping off like a platform, almost like a wrestler. Oh, that's a callback to the, uh, the, 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 the SmackDown stuff we talked earlier. He, he leapt off this platform and tackled Gorgeous George. Oh, again, another wrestling name. How, how coincidental is all this? And so many and, wrestling names. And, and there was an injury that happened to Gorgeous George. His, his calf implants exploded. <laughs> I can't say that. I'm not kidding. His calf implants exploded due to Sid tackling him during the election. And Charlie, yeah, he was just a little high on the mushrooms. Uh, during the election, he announced his engagement to, to a fern. No, you heard me <laughs> right. He announced his engagement to a fern. He was just a little high. Whee! Uh, and, and yeah, and, and the uh, the employee that sold everybody the mushrooms, uh, who would be Poonam that we mentioned earlier, uh, she ended up getting the activities coordinator job by default. And actually, she did. Uh, the reason she got it is because a she do it for free, but also if she uh, didn't take the job for free. She would have been fired for selling mushrooms to the people at the nurse at the uh, oh. at the retirement community. Oh. <laughs> Episode six, TV heist. Hank finds out his ex-wife is remarrying the man that she left him for. Spoilers: We're gonna get to that later. And is devastated when he loses a contest for a sixty-five-inch television to Gorgeous George, <laughs> who bought a bag full of raffle tickets. Well, that that's just that's just a rip. That's evil. That's Gorgeous just George. Evil. Gorgeous George just used a lot of money, and he bought like ten thousand raffle tickets. That there's no justice in that man. No justice. He's evil. That's why he's the antagonist of this show. Vile. An emphatic Margaret, who has been in the same position regarding an ex-spouse, convinces Charlie and Sid to go along with a day of doing whatever Hank wants. And Hank decides to steal the TV from Allison's office. But the plan, which Hank dubs Hank's Eleven, goes awry. Sid gets stuck in the sauna with Allison, who's depressed her sister is getting married. Hank gets upset that the gang is only doing it out of pity for him, although he claims to be okay with sex moving on. Spoilers, he's not. And Charlie, who bought a tank of laughing gas for the escape to the annoyance of Margaret and Hank, accidentally opens the tank, causing Hank to ruin the TV. Hank realizes that he is still upset about his ex-wife's affair and decides to move on as well. I remember when this first aired. This is another great episode. I need to revisit this one sooner rather than later. It's a really good episode. I'm not just saying this because, again, Rick Fox... Tar Heel in the house. Uh, he lies. Episode 7, Thanksgiving at Murray's. When Margaret scores an invite to an exclusive fruity potluck for Thanksgiving, she takes Sid as her plus one, leaving Hank and Charlie to find a backup plan. Okay, first we need to add who directed this episode. 
Fred Savage. Fred Savage, yes. And of course, Fred Savage has also directed episodes in the past of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So another connection. But also the foodies, uh, the three main foodies, we talked about them earlier. They were Murray, played by Charles Shaughnessy, Francine, played by Julia Duffy, and Norman, played by Clyde Kusatsu. That was perfect casting on all three parts. Indeed. If you remember from The Nanny, maybe he wasn't much of a snob, but he played that elitist type of person. Well, maybe by, straight, maybe by elitist, I mean rich. <laughs> yeah. He, okay. Uh, so Charles Shaughnessy on The Nanny was one of the 1%. Probably the 1% of the 1%. Yes, but he played this role perfectly. I mean, the, the casting on this show was just great. We'll get to more, actually, in the next... Uh, in, in two episodes. But... Um, yeah, Julia Duffy. Oh, is just she all, is all she is also an elitist. We, well, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about the sugar bakers on on um, on designing on women, women, but but also, when, but when you talk about her role on Newhart, where she was essentially the the princess. Oh yeah. Still, oh yeah. She. Oh, absolutely perfect. That that was like those two were the chef's kiss of. Televised sitcom snobbery. Oh, yes. And uh, we should talk about the backup plan. What was the backup plan? Well, what Hank and Charlie end up doing is they go to um, Dudley, who was Jamie oh. Farr's character. Oh, they get yes. His apartment. Yes. <laughs> and they have Thanksgiving dinner there, but it's a little uh, untraditional. Dudley says, hey, let's turn on the football game. And they're like, yeah, turn on the football game. Well, yeah, let's watch some football. And so Dudley pulls out an old transistor radio and dials in uh, to the radio station to listen to the game, irritating Hank and Charlie just a little bit. I, I, don't uh, know what they're, I don't know what they're arguing about. I'd rather much listen to Kevin Harlan if he's on the call of that game. Anything's better than listening to Joe Buck. But also, in the end, uh, everybody ends up uh, going to the Thanksgiving dinner held by Dudley because, again, the, the, the foodie, snobbish potluck uh, didn't go so well, uh, particularly because uh, one of the requirements was a trivia contest, and they were asked a question to name, I believe it was one French cheese. It was one foreign cheese. I think it was French cheese, or as Italian. I think it was hard Italian cheese. And they couldn't name uh, any hard Italian cheeses, so they never got any food. The last scene, you have uh, all four of the main characters at Dudley's Thanksgiving dinner, and you have Sid singing his own version of old-time rock and roll, but it's called Old-Time Casserole. Oh, my gosh, was that funny. That was brilliant. <laughs> Again, everything that, on the show is brilliant. Uh, episode 8, Hank the Cradle Robber. Hello. Hank starts dating a much younger woman named Felicia, and the gang begins to suspect that she may be a gold digger who is taking advantage of Hank because of his age. But after rifling through her things, they fear this relationship may actually be something much worse. A pregnancy trap. Ooh. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, Felicia, played by Tammy Townsend, who is known as Greta on <laughs> Family Matters. If you are a student of the Family Matters, then you know Greta is a little... Uh, let's just say... Greta, Greta and Felicia could very well be related somehow. Possibly. Maybe. Perhaps. Another instant classic, episode 9. Margaret uh, dates the Zodiac Killer. Oh, oh I, boy, here we I go. know Greg has stuff to say about this. Go uh, for it, Greg. Greg has thoughts. Margaret begins dating Carl, Ed Bagley Jr., a fellow Shady Meadows resident, whom the guys think may be the Zodiac Killer. Margaret finds the accusation ridiculous, but begins wondering whether or not it may be true. Meanwhile, the guys look for the person who does not flush in the men's bathroom. So uh, what do you have to say about Ed Begley Jr.? <laughs> oh, oh, 
He is he is one scary mf'er in this episode. But also at the same time, how he didn't win an award for this episode, I don't know. He did such a great job. And and the, and the ending of the episode where Margaret just wants to know is is Carl the Zodiac killer. And the end and the end credits is just Ed Bigley Jr. staring into a camera stone-faced and then slowly as the credits end has this creepy smile and i swear to god guys it's gonna give me nightmares for at least a month (laughs) but guys i think this makes a lot of sense considering the zodiac killer stopped killing people maybe time traveled and he's he's maybe time traveling ed bagley jr is 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 a serial killer killing people in his tortoise that runs on vegetable oil. Yes, he's killing. E- he's killing people that pollute the environment. He's like an evil Captain Planet. <laughs> evil. Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. Evil Captain Planet. Like I said, Ed Begley Jr. was just absolutely great in this, and every time him and Margaret talked, there was always something that made her. Uh, suspicious of him being the Zodiac killer, uh, whether it was him offering to take her to the to his uh, ho- uh, his lakefront house, where nobody will hear you scream, you can't hear an echo there, <laughs> to to the painting that he made in art class, which was of a lake, but there's a dead body in the lake. Oh my gosh! It's just such a great episode. I. Oh, again, so many great episodes. Oh, and here's another one. Episode 10, Funeral Crashers. Again, this is something that this is something that is dealt with when you are among the elderly. A friend of Hank's, Donna, has died. And Hank finds out his ex-wife, Lorraine, who is friends with Donna as well, is going to be at the funeral. Awkward. Margaret offers to go with him to the funeral and be his hype man to make him look good in front of Lorraine. And Sid and Charlie want to go as well, because as Charlie puts it, funerals are the ultimate after party. Worried that they'll mess up their plans to make Hank look good, Margaret forbids them from coming. They decide to come and crash the funeral anyway, but their plan hits a snag. When they're misremembered as two friends of the deceased's widower. So, once again, we have the return of Lorraine, who is still very much Lorraine. And we have Sid and Charlie basically embracing their inner party animal. Essentially, it's Sid and Charlie being Sid and Charlie. Being party animals, being goofy, and also... Going to the funeral because it has free food. Food is always a bonus. Oh, a lot of these episodes revolve around free food or food in some capacity. Go look at the mushroom spiked lasagna from earlier. Episode 11, Charlie's Angel. When Charlie falls for Kathleen, played by Leslie and Warren, Margaret tries to help Charlie by attending the group Kathleen runs. Little do the divorcees know that it is a bereavement support group. Meanwhile, Hank gets stage fright while volunteering to host a closed-circuit TV show at Shady Meadows. When Sid fills in for him sharing gossip from the retirement community, Hank becomes jealous. Who knew that closed-circuit TV news at a retirement community would be serious business, guys? So, Mar- so Margaret was helping Charlie fall for Kathleen while Sid was filling in for Hank doing the news and Charlie was pretending to have a dead wife who was actually played, I guess, in story by his dead dog. Yeah, I totally get that now. Yep. That that totally makes sense now. Okay. Episode 12, Margaret Jr. Margaret's daughter, MJ, played by Mary Elizabeth Ellis, comes to Shady Meadows after breaking up with her boyfriend. Hank suspects that MJ is attempting to take advantage of Margaret, who bends over backwards to help her out of guilt for divorcing her father. 
Meanwhile, when Sid goes through Charlie's sloppy apartment looking for his walk, he resolves to help Charlie become less of a hoarder, which is easier said than done. If you look at Charlie's apartment, it is it is filled with a lot of of stuff. It's got I thought, stuff. I thought my room was 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 ridiculous with the stuff I have. No, no, his Charlie's apartment is much worse. You're just accumulating stuff for the. It was a thing on TV Museum. Oh, you damn well bet. I probably have the. I have the Superman Thanksgiving Day balloon like right by me. It, it's it's still not peeking out its head, guys. <laughs> I was gonna say I can see your dad going down the hall, going past your room. He sees the Superman head poking out. Episode thirteen: Sid's first relationship. The gang rallies around Sid to help him through his commitment issues to his new beau, John, who we mentioned earlier was played by Jerry Burns. Meanwhile, Margaret attempts to conquer her fear of flying by volunteering at the airport, but soon finds herself working besides Hank. Oh. Oh, Yeah. A quote from this episode, and this is me doing a piss-poor impersonation of David Allen Greer. When you said, I don't help people, you were right. And I need you to be wrong. So now I'm a servant of the people, baby. Step right up, stupid people who need obvious information about the airport. Yeah, that sounds like uh, something that David Allen Greer would say. Especially if you imagine his voice. Yeah, and if David Allen Greer is listening to this, I'm sorry. But, but we also thank you for listening. Episode 14, The Cool Kids, plus one. Margaret neglects the guys when her best friend, Joni, played by Joanna Cassidy, comes to visit. The guys immediately dislike Joni, and even more so when she announces she's moving to Shady Meadows. The guys devise a plan to convince her not to, but Hank ends up sleeping with her. A disgusted Margaret eventually gets her to change her mind while still remaining friends. When Joni decides to move into Shady Meadows, the guys devise a plan to convince her not to, but Hank gets distracted. That sounds evil. It does. More scheming from the cool kids. And you know what? If you think about it, I can see why Margaret and Joni are best friends. Episode 15, Mentors. As Hank and Margaret mentor an awkward high school student and help him decide on whether or not to go to the prom, Hank is forced to face a traumatic event that happened to him in high school. Meanwhile, Sid's boyfriend invites him to tour the wine country on bicycles, but Sid is mortified because... He doesn't know how to ride a bike. So the the student, his name is Ernie, by the way, he wants to go to the prom, but Hank's talked him out of it because he thinks he'll get picked on at the dance. Ernie arrives at the dance and is too scared to go inside, so he hides out in the bathroom. And Mar- Margaret, Hank and Margaret go get him, thanks to an interaction with a slightly stuck-up student. Margaret finally sees what it's like to be a nerd. So she gets where Ernie is coming from, finally. Meanwhile, in the continuing adventures of Sid and John, uh, we're touring wine country by bicycle, but Sid never learned how to ride a bike, so Charlie sets out to teach him. Hilarity ensues. Episode 16, The Cool Kids Unretire. While Sid is house-sitting a fellow resident's gorgeous high-rise apartments, the cool kids get a taste of the good life and a taste of Charlie's incredible cookies. But when Margaret decides to turn Charlie's creative cookie making into a new business venture, everyone gets a bit carried away. Yeah, everyone wants to be part of the uh, in charge of the cookies. You know, when I first read this, you know what my first thought was? What? Somebody laced the cookies with mushrooms. <laughs> No, seriously, I, I'm thinking somebody did something to the cookies, but apparently they were good, and uh, they were going to make a business out of it. Okay, I, I believe Family Guy did an episode about this. Not I believe. I know Family Guys did an episode about this. Where and the Simpsons did an episode of this beforehand. Simpsons did it! Simpsons did it! Damn right the Simpsons did it. So you know what? I think we just proved that the cool kids stole it from Family Guy, and Family Guy stole it from the Simpsons. So there you go. Good job on creativity, Fox. Yay. If anybody asks, you heard it here. Episode 17, Margaret Ups Her Game. 
Margaret attempts to date the hottest guy in Shady Meadows, Jean, played by Patrick Duffy, but can't seem to rid herself of Clingy Leonard, played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Meanwhile, Hank tries to sell his erotic vampire novel with the help of Sid's cousin. Now, uh, this is another case of pitch-perfect casting here, because you have Gene, who is the hunk of the week, so to speak, played by Patrick Duffy, who is demonstrably hotter than Rod McCary. Yeah, said it. And, and not, to mention, not to mention his hair in this episode is amazing. He's got, like, that biker haircut with the, with the long hair and the ponytail in the back. Oh, it's just amazing. Hey. Yep, yep. That that's that is very that is a very amazing, and he has a bit of a mustache too. So he's he's going for the sort of elderly Hell's Angels vibe, and then you have Stephen Tobolowski, who let's just be honest, is Stephen Tobolowski. I'm surprised that Margaret is dating somebody after just recently dating Carl, the Zodiac Killer. Well, she already got over it. It's like, well, I'll never know if Carl was, in fact, the Zodiac Killer. So I'm going to have to move on. Oh, Yeah. Episode 18, Sid's ex-wife. Sid's ex-wife, Bonnie, played by Jennifer Coolidge, visits the home, and the gang discovers they have a great relationship. Sid soon reveals he and Bonnie have not actually divorced, as they fear it will ruin their good relationship. But this revelation could also ruin his relationship with John. Meanwhile, Margaret and Charlie's plans go to a concert to take a detour when they find out Hank has rented the van. And they discover Hank, who just got his driving privileges back after the events of TV Heist, has become a stickler for the rules. And true to form, John becomes uncomfortable with Sid and Bonnie being together and tries to persuade Sid to get a divorce. I wonder if Margaret and Charlie were going to see the dregs of humanity. Nice. Too bad they were already dead. Oh, or, or they were too soon. It's not soon enough. 35 years is too soon. Episode 19, Kip Samgood's biggest fan. Sid's teen idol, Kip Samgood, John Lovitz, is in town for an autograph signing. And Margaret accompanies Sid to confront Kip about stealing a song she wrote. That became a signature song. Margaret finds that Kip not only admits it, but is into her as well, making Sid jealous. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, Hank and Charlie struggle to write a song as Charlie's six-month anniversary gift to Kathleen. Okay, I got a problem here. What's wrong? Okay, Sid's teen idol Kip Samgood, played by John Lovitz, how old is John Lovett supposed to be in this episode if it was a teen idol from Sid's formative years? I mean, I think in real life, Sid is, is older than, than John Lovett's. Well, in real, well, in real life, David Allen Greer is not how he looks in the, uh, in the show. So. Well, yeah, he's not a senior citizen by any stretch of the imagination. You're right. But I think that's just a bit of a stretch because... John Lovitz does not look that old. I mean, I know he's in his 60s. Yeah, he did Saturday Night Live like 35 years ago. But still, I think in terms of casting, that might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, John Lovitz is actually 62 now. He keeps incredibly well. I say that a lot today, don't I? And and Leslie Jordan, I think, is 64 or 65. Leslie Jordan is 64. So Leslie Jordan's actually older than John Lovitz. His teen idol. Go figure. His teen idol. Well, I got one word to say about John Lovitz being uh, Sid's teen idol. Acting! Genius! (laughs) Brilliant. Episode 20. Indecent Proposal. In an attempt to date a guy way out of her league, Margaret pretends to be someone she's not. When Hank doesn't hear back from his doctor about a questionable mole, he's convinced his days are numbered. So Charlie helps him get his test results. Meanwhile, Sid avoids John, 
who has a very important question to ask him. So, Margaret pretends to be a, a Yale graduate to date a guy way out of her league who happens to be a doctor who graduated from Harvard. Because, yeah, Harvard State Yaleys, apparently. Who knew? That would be uh, like hey, somebody from State dating somebody from North Carolina. That would be some, like somebody from Duke dating somebody from North Carolina. Oh, we don't associate with Duke people. Hey, Sorry, hey, Gordon. Hey, 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 hold on a second. I do know so, I do know a couple that has done that. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, yes, he does. No. Yeah, he does. And uh, John claims to have an important question from for Sid. Sid jumps to the conclusion that Sid would normally jump to the conclusion He's going to propose. He panics, hides in Margaret's apartment, where, he, where his presence doesn't mingle well with her overly pompous date. So this was very. This episode was very Seinfeldish in that you have three different stories that all seem to come together somehow. Wonder if we ever find out about his mole. It's not a tumor. It's not a... Ah, great. Dr. Klaus just solved everything. It's not a tumor. Ah. Episode 21. Vegas, baby! Hank is excited to give his son Tony, played by Tony Rock, the perfect wedding gift in Vegas. Until he finds out Lorraine's boyfriend, Reggie, is paying for everything. Meanwhile, Margaret and Sid's luck at the blackjack table quickly takes its turn. And Charlie hopes his old Vegas connections will come through for him. So we have the return of Jack A. and Rick Fox, and the first and the and the first, last, and only appearance of Tony Rock, who seems to play a guy named Tony in everything. You're thinking of Tony Danza? No, I'm thinking of Tony Rock. He also plays a guy named Tony and everything. Well, can you imagine a show with Tony Danza and Tony Rock together? And then all you need is the ghost of Tony Curtis, and you can call the show Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's taken. That's taken. I'm sorry. It, fe- it feels good. Anyway. Uh, wait, where's, the, where's the clip from the critic last week of Bad News Mets? <laughs> okay. Okay. Which one of you threw the firecracker at the little girl? Okay, which one of you was dating my daughter? <laughs> and uh, we all know how uh, Reggie, Lorraine's boyfriend, afforded to pay uh, for everything at the Vegas trip. He's Rick Fox. He played for the Celtics and the Lakers. He's worth millions. Not to mention he's got that whole acting thing to fall back on. And still Tar Heel in the house. Tar Heel in the house! The final episode, the friend anniversary. Yeah, I'm sorry. The final episode, the friend anniversary. Hank, Charlie, and Sid prepare their friend anniversary party and don't include Margaret. Noticing the tension between Sid, Hank and Sid, Margaret encourages Sid to speak up for himself. Meanwhile, Sid has set his sights on the patio for their party and attempts to convince the cat ladies to release it to them. Oh, that's also just one thing we haven't mentioned about Sid's personality. He is very timid, very, I don't want to say squeamish, but he needs a lot of encouragement. Uh, we did see uh, this come out in the uh, the rigging election episode. Margaret sort of snapped him out of it by saying, you've got to be tougher and you've got to be you know, more aggressive and whatnot. And then suddenly in that episode, in the election episode, Sid was... Basically saying just horrible stuff about everybody. Uh, there were three ladies who were sitting at a poker table playing poker. And he said, oh, what's going on here? Uh, dogs playing poker? Uh, well, duh, can't say that, Sid. No, 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 no. You know, you want to get them for uh, their votes for the election. But also, obviously, that's just call- rude calling women like that dogs. So he has a tough time coming out of his shell. And obviously, that's apparent here because... Uh, because Margaret is has to encourage Sid uh, to speak up for himself uh, during this uh, this party. And, and interestingly enough, 
That aired on the same day that the show was officially canceled. Boo. Very sad. Very sad, but at least we can enjoy it still. Yes. And yes, for uh, ten, bu- 10 bucks, can't go wrong with that. It's probably going to be the best $10 you ever spent. Or at least at least spent today. Or, or the the best $10 spent that's not WWE Network. And as we said earlier, the series got replaced by WWE SmackDown. Yeah. And, and that's it. Oh, it died a, a bad death. But actually, now I'm going to add this. Uh, we talked about the number of uh, viewers earlier, the ratings. Uh-huh. Actually, the numbers were not that good. I mean, if you look at uh, the ratings uh, for 18 to 49, it's sort of hung in that one range, even going as low as 0.6. So that's not terribly good when the key demographic, you've only got maybe about one in every 150 to 175 people watching. So, well, the show skewed older, obviously, because, you know, the four main characters were senior citizens, or at least portrayed senior citizens. But if you do look at uh, some of the sites, it's rated very highly. Uh, I believe I saw on Google, 95% of Google users that rated the, the cool kids gave it a thumbs up. So, I mean, that's 19 out of 20 people, so that's not bad. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 65%, albeit there's not a ton of ratings there. So, I mean, it is, you know, it was thoroughly loved. It just unfortunately got mishandled by, by Fox slash Disney through that transition. Uh, but also because, obviously, Fox got a WWE SmackDown and... Well, they're not canceling SmackDown. If you got to cancel SmackDown or the Cool Kids, guess who's going? The, cool, the one yep. that only the, the one that only gets a point six rating among eighteen to forty nines. Well, Chico, send us home. Yeah, the Cool Kids was just one of those shows where it had everything going for it—a superstar cast, a comedic genius writing. I think what happened was. He didn't write all of the episodes, but he was running the show. But And I think that sort of made the show lose some of its bite. And because of that, ultimately, the cool kids, it was just a thing on TV. The Friday night time slot certainly didn't help either. Yeah. Again, screwed by the network. And, and also, again, following Last Man Standing, which... Kind of, sort of, is almost like a polar opposite of this in ways. Yep. But enough mourning about the cool kids. We have a web presence! (laughs) Boy, that's going to be a fun transition. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we have a web presence. Yay! Yeah, we have a web presence. You can find past episodes, links to social media, and more at www.itwasathingontv.com Please like and subscribe, rate and review, Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We've had a, a very interesting week, or at least last couple of days, on uh, the social media. Because uh, uh, one thing we just found out, uh, apparently, Timothy Stack has a Google alert set up to inform him whenever something about Nightstand with Dick Dietrich happens. And he got a Google alert that we did that episode last week. <laughs> so he actually thanked us for setting off his Google alert. Which also makes me wonder how many people actually talk about Nightstand with Dick Dietrich if this is the first time his Google alert's gone off, at least in uh, terms of podcast sense. Hey, hey, we're, pr- we're proud to be dickheads. We are very proud we to be are dickheads. very proud to be dickheads, yes. and, and, and he promoted the podcast on his personal Twitter, and uh, I had a brief correspondence with him. Oh, a great guy, hilarious guy. Please. Follow Tim Stack on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. At TV's Tim Stack. Uh, just like you can follow us on Twitter at It Was a Thing on TV. And as always, yes, sharing is caring. And we'll be back later on this week with another uh, episode, another show that we absolutely love, which didn't uh, necessarily get a fair shake 
for various reasons. We'll get into that, though, in uh, the, the following episode. So for now, thank you for listening. Thank you, Chico, for assisting. Thank you, Greg, for assisting. I'm Mike, and we'll be back later this week with another installment of It Was a Thing on TV. You guys, give it a rest. Carl, I just need you to answer me one simple question. Are you the Zodiac Killer? He was the Zodiac Killer. He is the West Wing Bandit. Admit it, you sick son of a bitch. (laughs) Yes, it was me. Of course it was me. You figured it out. I got a thrill out of doing my thing and watching everyone spin out. Well, which, which question are you saying yes to? Margaret, you and me, I just don't think it's going to work out. You seem a little psycho. Oh, no. You're not breaking up with her. She's breaking up with you. We don't let our friends date bathroom bandits that wipe their booties with the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> and that's why I, I wouldn't have finished my puzzle book. I just needed more time. You deserve better than this, Margaret. You need someone who knows how to treat a beautiful toilet. <laughs> I just need to know. Please tell me. Carl! Carl! Are you the Zodiac? Blink for the first time since I've known you if you're the Zodiac. Songs of life. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs.